By now you'll have heard or seen that I'm working with a new golf app called Tangent, who are also sponsoring this show. It's the smartest AI caddy in golf and is able to recommend not only clubs to hit, but target locations based on the math behind strokes gained and your own personal shot patterns. Unlike many other shot trackers, it also takes into account and adjusts for hazards that are out there. It has sensorless tracking with an amazing automatic swing detection that you can use with your Apple Watch or your phone without any need to buy any attachments for your clubs. And my favorite part, the post-round analysis data helps you immediately see where you can improve and gives you simple breakdowns that you can dive into if you want much more detail about your stats. It then links this data to recommendations and actual practice drills that you can use to improve. Getting measurable data for both on-course and practice drills makes Tangent one of the best game improvement ecosystems that I've ever seen. So download Tangent for free on the Apple App Store or at tangent.golf and use promo code SWEET30, that's S-W-E-E-T-3-0, for 30% off. So you'll get a free trial, and if you like it and want to continue, it'll give you 30% off a subscription. So just try it out, play a few rounds with it, and I know you'll love it. So that's Tangent, T-A-N-G-E-N-T, and enter code SWEET30. Welcome back to another episode of The Sweet Spot. This is John Sherman, owner of Practical Golf, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host... A distracted Adam Young from Adam Young Golf. I'm distracted because I'm turning my phone to to do not disturb because <laughs> I don't know if you remember that time where we got like 80% yeah. through the episode and then someone phones me and my, my recording cuts out. So yeah, I'm all good to go now. That's excellent. I'm glad everyone can hear that part of it. So this is episode seven of The Sweet Spot. And I think this is going to be a popular topic. We're going to be talking about like hitting bombs, high nasty bombs. We're talking about adding swing speed with a longer driver shaft and a big experiment that I did. So the driver is always a hit with people, but we're going to give it to you as always in a well-rounded, responsible way. So you'll learn quite a bit about this experiment. You'll learn a little bit about how to hit it farther, club fitting, a few different topics. Are you ready for this, Adam? This is going to be good for me because I am one of the least equipment junkie people in the world. And I think that stemmed from me being an equipment junkie when I was a kid, thinking that if I could just buy something that would, you know, make me hit it 300 yards like the pros, I never really found it. So that turned me off from equipment, but I'm, I'm starting to get back into it a little bit more. I actually recently had a driver fitting and... It helped a lot and with the iron fittings as well. But I just thought the other day, I've had my putter. When did the two ball come out? Oh, I don't even know. I think it was like two, 2000 or something. And I've had my putter <laughs> since then. It's got a dent in it. I, I, I'm so resistant to change with anything. But So you're, you're going to be the expert on equipment here. When I first started practical golf, I was kind of, I had a little chip on my shoulder about club fitting myself. And I've been fortunate to kind of be an apprentice to one of the best club fitters in the industry over the last six years. His name is uh, Woody Lashin. He helped a ton for the article that I'll, I'll post the link to this experiment that I did. He's the co-owner of a great company called Pete's Golf Shop. But I've just learned a ton from him about club fitting. I've done so many experiments and it makes a difference. I mean, 
this is going to be our catchphrase on every episode we do that we could devote a whole episode to this, but you know, I'd love to have Woody come on and talk about some concepts because I've learned a ton. And basically if you don't have the right equipment for your tendencies as a golfer, you're making the game harder for yourself. And that's not to say that a lot of the manufacturer's claims are not outrageous. Some of them are, I think they're getting less outrageous over the years, but you got to match up the technology to your game and we have more ways than ever to dial it in. And, and this episode will show you how I did that with a longer driver shaft. That's what I found for me was that I, I tend to suffer with hitting it left, you know, so it's always managing that. And they fitted me for a club that I was always optimized for distance, but they changed the weighting in it and changed the shaft so that it was more right side biased. And it just it allowed me to swing freely at it without worrying about it going left. It's incredible what can be done. It's not going to make you bulletproof on the course, but I view these as or pretty much any topic we discuss is they're all refinements. You want to make small refinements. And if you do enough of them, they add up and your handicap starts to drop. So let's set the table for this discussion. It's it's going to be about adding distance with the driver. We've, we've talked about in other episodes that more distance gives you a better chance to post lower scores. I, I referenced a stat from ShotScope on a previous episode, which is a game tracking company. And they found that for recreational golfers, if you can add anywhere from 25 to 30 yards on your drives, that, that's worth about a quarter of a stroke or so for most players on each hole. So, you know, all things being equal, more distance, it gets you closer to the hole, shorter club in your hands on the approach shot. Golf is a game of proximity. So, you know, for this experiment, I was trying to find out, can I add swing speed to increase my distance off the tee? But before we get into that, there's kind of two routes you can go with adding distance with the driver. There's efficiency and swing speed. And if you want the best results, you do both. But Adam, why don't you talk about efficiency? Because that's something that you understand incredibly well. What is driver efficiency? It's yards per mile per hour of club head speed, I suppose. So I think the optimal is around about 2.6 yards of carry per mile an hour of club head speed. So if you swing 100 mile an hour, maybe around 260 yards of carry and then roll will depend on, on the conditions. So achieving that is a product of some ball flight characteristics. So you need a higher launch generally between about 16 and 20 degrees for most people. When you get really high speed, it can come down a little, but that's really high. And most people don't get anywhere near that. And when someone watches me hit a driver, everybody, the first thing they comment on is, wow, that's high because I've managed to optimize my launch. And you also need a, a lower spin rate as well, or the combination of those. A lower spin rate on its own is not going to help you, but combined with a higher launch, that will really max out carry and total. And then you need what's called a higher smash factor. So that's the ball speed coming off. So if you swing 100 mile an hour and your ball comes off 150 mile an hour, then you're maxing out your smash factor. Anything less than that signifies probably a poor strike or poor spin loft. So those are the ball flight characteristics that you need, the three things, higher launch, lower spin, or that combination, and then maximum smash factor or maximum ball speed. In simple terms, I know we're going to go into this in more depth at another point, but in simple terms, the way to achieve that is through your strike location, through hitting up on the ball more, so a positive angle of attack, and then through reducing spin loft, both vertically and horizontally. So that's a little teaser for a future episode. 
Yeah, I think of it as when I think of driver efficiency, it's kind of like the holy trinity of ball speed, launch angle, and spin rate. Those numbers differ for players. Have you seen that chart from Ping that they put out? It's like a much more in depth. I know TrackMan has their own chart, but Ping put out one that's like really extensive. There's a general theme there, though. The, the theme is still the higher launch and lower spin is, is going to be better for almost all across the board, really. But it's a sliding scale. Like, you know, if you launch it a little bit lower, you need a little bit more spin to get the ball up in the air and vice versa. If you launch it too high with too much spin, well, then that might not be optimal. In any event, driver efficiency is is maxing out what you've got with your current swing speed and i believe you know a lot of golfers can add distance to their drives that way and then the second element when you've kind of maxed that out is just adding more swing speed you know when you get maxed out on efficiency the only way you're going to increase the distance of your drives is by adding swing speed yeah swing speed is the limiter it basically that's that's going to be the whatever your swing speed is that's going to determine your absolute maximum but then whether you're efficient your efficiency is going to determine whether you get up to that and I'll, i'd say that most people are losing about 30 yards on efficiency alone absolutely i know i mean i could i could see it on the course with a lot of golfers you could see that they're spinning it too much, you know, probably because they're not striking it well in the face. Equipment plays a huge factor in this as well. If you don't have the right head shaft combination and the, and the head's not set up properly for you with the right loft, perhaps MOI as well, I'll discuss that later in the episode, your efficiency will go down. So it's all of these things combined. And where I was in my game, I had worked on all of that. I had my driver was dialed in, I always went with a shorter driver shaft at 44 inches. That really worked well for me in tightening my dispersion on the course. Um, I did sacrifice a little bit of swing speed, but not too much. But a good drive for me is about, you know, I'd carry it about 255, 265 yards. So, you know, a good drive for me is like 280. I'm not a short hitter in in recreational standards, but I play in a lot of tournaments. I'm trying to get into the USGA Mid-Am. I just missed out on it the other year. I play in a lot of qualifiers with college kids who are hitting it 300 or more. So I do need more distance to compete this way. And I'm pretty much maxed out on efficiency. Like when I go on my launch monitor, I'm launching it like 14, 15 degrees, low 2000 spin, you know, mid 150s ball speed. So there's not that much more for me there in efficiency. So I'm looking at the swing speed element now. I'm, I'm working with super speed golf to increase my swing speed. And I mentioned this on an episode a few weeks ago is I, I got this idea and I guess you can give Bryson DeChambeau credit for putting it in the industry's mind. I wanted to try out a longer driver shaft. So I got my friend Woody Lashin coordinated with Callaway and Acra shafts and they built me two different drivers, a 44 inch and a 47 inch. And we did some testing to see how much distance and speed I could add and what was it worth it? Could I keep it in play? And I spent, I probably had over a thousand shots on my launch monitor doing this over the last two months. And I I had some interesting results. So I'd like to share those with you along with what I learned from all these different experts in the industry. I think it's a fascinating study in equipment changes. So that's what we're going to talk about now. And Adam, I mean, do you like, what what are your thoughts? Like what's the current driver shaft length that you play? Is it standard, like 45 inches? You know what? I don't even know. You don't even know. This is how little of a, a equipment junkie I am. But it interests me because I'm the same as you. I'm completely maxed out on efficiency now. I mean, a few years ago, maybe 
maybe 10 years ago, I wasn't very efficient as a driver because I, I was used to playing Lynx golf. So I used to launch it quite low and then had to use a bit more loft, which created more spin. But then I learned about the higher launch, lower spin, max smash. I learned about that. And that was the time where TrackMan was coming out. And, and so we could actually measure these things. And the moment I could measure it, I could figure out how to do it. And I did that. And the ball went, for me, it actually carried 55 yards farther in the air. <laughs> so it That's was pretty good. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. So yeah, I picked up a lot of a lot of distance, but then you know I hit my wall, right? Because I just I just maxed out with efficiency, and so for me, the only way I'm going to improve now is through club head speed. And I've actually lost a lot of club head speed since COVID has been out because I haven't been hitting the gym. I mean, I've been doing little things in the house, but doing a few press ups and pull ups here and there is not the same as what I was doing in the gym. So I've lost club head speed, and yeah, I'm going to have to at some point get it back, whether that's through super speed training or longer club shaft. I'll go through like a top level of some of the things that I learned and we'll go into each one separately. So the biggest issue when you go with a longer driver shaft is weight. You got to keep the swing weight similar because you have more material. If it's a longer shaft, there's more weight there. So the hardest thing for Woody, my club fitter, to do, and he coordinated with Acra Shafts on this, they were kind enough to send me two of their prototype shafts, they had to figure out when I hit the 44-inch shaft, we had to add weight to the head. And then with the 47-inch, they had to find a way to remove weight from the shaft and the head as well. Because the problem is, is if it's too heavy, I learned this from multiple conversations, if you just buy a longer driver shaft and slap it on any head and don't do anything to it, you're probably not going to gain much swing speed because the thing's just going to be too heavy. It's going to be a sledgehammer. So what we did was, is we, we figured out a system where like I would add these little weights to the head when I was at 44 inches, there were two eight gram weights. I'd add it to the head. And then when I went to the 47 inch shaft, I removed those weights. I had to remove weight from the head. And I found if I kept them on again, it was just too heavy to swing and my swing speed would suffer. So for anyone pursuing this, and I got this from Callaway, Acra, Woody, and a few other people is like, you have to get the weight right. And that's why I think, you know, people who are interested in longer driver shafts, you're probably going to have to work with a club fitter. Like Callaway's coming out with some fitting kits. Acra is going to be releasing some counterweight shafts that will play well to this concept. So the, the thing that I found out was just weight is a huge issue and you got to get it right. Because you know, if you try and swing something that's too heavy, what's going to happen? It's going to slow your swing speed down, yeah. Exactly. And then you're not getting any of the gains. So that was the one thing that everyone said to me. It's just, you got to get the weight right. And then what's also was interesting was that most golfers who go with a longer shaft, even if it's 46 inches, like you generally have to reduce loft. Like on my 44-inch driver, I actually have it set at 12 and a half degrees. That just works well for me with, with the head that I have. And then with the longer shaft, I had to set it down at 10 and a half degrees. Is that because the driver kicks more? That you're going more lead deflection through impact? It's possible, yes. I mean, in the testing, it, it, it was about reducing the spin rate. So if I went with too high of a loft on the longer shaft, I was just spinning it too much. And then going back to the efficiency part of this, if I'm spinning it too much, then I'm probably losing a little distance and then it's not worth it. So... I figured out with the launch monitor that, you know, 10 and a half degrees was the right setting for the 47 inch shaft and then 12 and a half, which I had always known was the right weight for the 44 inch shaft. 
So that was another variable that I had to get correct. Did the launch come down when you reduced the loft? No, that's interesting because I'll share like the numbers later, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you the difference between the two. At the 44-inch shaft, I was launching it at about probably a little lower than normal because I had a new head, 13 and a half degrees, and then... The 47-inch shaft, almost exactly the same. So it sounds like it was more lead deflection then. So if you lower the loft of the club, you're still launching it the same. I'm guessing the dynamic loft is about the same. So it's just, yeah, the longer shaft is probably kicking a little bit more. That's my guess on it. It's possible. And what I found out was speaking with different people, like I always assumed, and I had done some work on this years ago, that a shorter shaft was a good idea for a lot of golfers. You know, most golf manufacturers are putting 45 and a half inch to 46 inch shafts as a stock shaft length. And, you know, there's some data to suggest that going shorter can help golfers going back to efficiency. If it's shorter shaft, they can strike it to the center of the face more efficiently. So whatever they lose in swing speed, they'll gain back in, in smash factor because they'll be striking it more towards the center of the face. But across the board, it's not actually true. And I'd like to get your input on this as a swing instructor. I spoke with one of the head club fitters at Callaway. His name is Garrett Pond. He does the club fitting for the whole tour staff. So like John Rahm, Xander Schauffele, Phil Mickelson, like he does club fitting for, for all those guys. And then he also works with normal golfers who go through the Callaway Performance Center. And they have been experimenting with longer shafts for a while. And he told me, and Acro Shafts told this to me as well, is that the longer shaft actually helped the club head delivery, mostly for slicers. And we talked about, you know, swing path and slicing in different episodes where you've got a problem with uh, an out to in swing path that's too extreme. And they found that the longer driver shaft seemed to neutralize that. Does that make any sense to you? It does. (laughs) I mean, I know you've never tried one, but it's weird because when you swing the longer shaft, it almost created this like more of a, a pause in my swing because it was so long. I didn't have the ability to like get quick and snap and transition. And I don't know if that relates to like the over the top move. I don't know if that's the right thing to say for a slicer, but they it seemed to smooth out the transition and neutralize their swing path for a lot of players. So it actually improved their accuracy. It can be interesting. I mean, one thing that I've noticed is when I give people, you know, the orange whip device and you've yeah, got other I love, brands I love the of orange it. whip. Yeah, I do as well. I think it's a really good good warm-up aid and gives people a good sense for the transition as well. And people are less likely to produce an over-the-top move with that. And I don't know what it is. You know, I'm sure some person can help me with momentum and all the physics behind it. But when I give someone that and just ask them to swing it, they tend to produce a more in-to-out swing. It looks much more natural. And so, yeah, I can understand how a longer club could effectively make someone more from in to out. And there's a geometry part as well. I mean, if you have a longer club, you're going to tend to have a shallower swing plane. The guy from Accra said that as well. Like they they found that it just shallowed out the swing plane for those golfers who perhaps are getting too steep and vertical. Similar to, you know, when I do train with the orange whip, it kind of creates that like maybe that little pause where the club's like floating at the top because I can have, I have a, I would say a violent transition in my golf swing. And if it gets too violent, I think my mechanics suffer. And I felt that the longer shaft was doing something similar to what the orange whip is. It was creating like that momentary like pause. So it actually smoothed out my transition. 
So I thought that was interesting. But they just noticed that, you know, putting a ton of 10, 15, 20 handicaps on Trackmans and they were looking at their swing paths and they noticed that the longer shaft neutralized the out to in. Now, vice versa. And again, this isn't a rule of thumb for everyone because with club fitting, you just never know. Everyone has their own tendencies. But they actually found the opposite for the in to out crowd. They found that, you know, if someone was into out like me, I didn't have this problem with the long shaft, but other people, they found that it made their hooks worse. So it seemed like it would be exacerbating that into out path. So it seems like across the board, then it just makes everybody more into out. Possibly, yes. I don't think it did that for me because for me, I actually think it straightened my ball flight out. I wasn't hooking as many. I was, if anything, I noticed more of a straighter trajectory or more of a a straight push, which would indicate that you'd correct me if I'm wrong, that my into out path was neutralized a bit. If I'm hitting it straight to the right with no curvature on it, or my face was matching up to my path. Yeah, the face would be matching up to the path better. Now you you hit up on it, obviously. So I do, I hit up on it a lot. In terms of D-plane, and this is Oh quite boy, here we go. <laughs> complex. Here we go. All right, here's the simple version of a D-plane, if I can simplify it. So you imagine the swing is a hula hoop. It's a big circle. So the club is traveling down, it reaches the lowest point of that hula hoop, and then it starts traveling back up and in. So for players who are hitting on the downswing, a longer club shaft will tend to make it more in to out, tend to make the swing path more in to out. So I, I would imagine there are a lot of slices would be helped by that. Um, because yeah it'll tend to make the path a little bit more into out because the plane is shallow the hula hoop is basically tilted a little bit more in your case when you're hitting on the upswing it's actually going to make the path a little bit more neutral so for a lot of hookers it wouldn't it'd make them worse but for some hookers of the ball or or players with out paths (laughs) yeah i gotta use my words correctly (laughs) for some hookers of the golf ball who are hitting on the upswing, it could actually neutralize their path, at least in theory. So I'm, that might be what happened with you. I don't know. I mean, I know you... Yeah, I felt like I was trying to hit more up on it to like really like just go after it. Because if I use this thing on the course and I'm going to, I'm going to carry two drivers because my three wood is basically useless to me. I just don't use it. I don't use it off the tee and I just don't get it high enough in the air off approach shots. So it's just sitting in my bag. But when I have holes that are more wide open and I use this 47-inch driver, I'm going to be going for that, like, you know, tilting the right shoulder a little bit lower, hitting up on it, and just kind of giving it the Bryson treatment where I'm just going to try and launch this thing as far as I can. And with a lot of drives, I was trying to do that when I was testing, and I was just – it surprised me a lot. I didn't think I could control this thing because I thought the added shaft length would – hurt my efficiency in the sense that I wasn't striking it well in the face. And then I couldn't control the face angle like we discussed in other episodes, how important that is for that left to right dispersion. I, I just didn't have that issue, or at least so far. How much farther did it go than your well, We're going to get to that. I'm just, uh, well, we are building up here, Adam. We're not, <laughs> we're not quite there yet. And I'm going to post a link to the article, and this is the same way I did it in the article. But what this episode's really about, because I don't think a lot of people are going to pursue a longer driver shaft. What I really want people to understand is how many different variables there are. Like we were talking about how the longer shaft could help neutralize out to in swing pass and the D plane and stuff like that. 
These are all real things, and it's not just about longer driver shafts. This goes with anything. When you make adjustments in your equipment, it will affect how you deliver the club head, and also how the club is designed will impact how the ball flies through the air. So this is why I'm such a huge proponent of club fitting rather than just going to Golf Galaxy or wherever or on the internet and buying something off the rack because you could be making golf harder for yourself and you likely are. And I know not everyone has access to the best club fitters, but it's becoming more and more prominent in the golf industry. So this is really me telling all of you about all the variables there are in equipment. And I'm trying to convince you to get it right if you can. Let me go on to the next topic in this cluster, you know what, of information. You know who Dr. Sasho McKenzie is, correct? Of course, yeah. I love Sasho. Yeah, he's a great guy. Tell everyone who he is because you probably know him better than I. He's a biomechanist. He's in Canada. I can't remember which university he's at, but he does a lot of really good, interesting work for instructors on forces and talks. So he's kind of, at least in my mind, he's brought a new awareness to how to look at the golf swing. You know, we've always looked just from a movement perspective, so what we can see. But as a biomechanist, he can extrapolate some of the physics from it and say what people are doing in terms of how they're forcing it, the direction they're forcing it, the magnitude they're forcing it and talking it. And it's been a whole new learning experience for me as well. But it, it the stuff that he brings out has made a lot of sense to some of the old school instruction as well. And it's also made a lot of sense to some of the mistakes that instructors have made in the past in terms of you know teaching certain things and it not working out and now we understand why so yeah he's a he's a really interesting researcher and anytime he tweets something or or writes something i always read it because i always know i'm going to learn something from it yeah i mean he's just been i mean you've gone way more into depth on the forces and torques and all that stuff. I don't concern myself with that thing because I'm not teaching the golf swing to people. Yeah, it's more for instructors. Definitely. Yeah, it's more for instructors. But he he came out with a really interesting video, and this is in the article. I'll also post it in the show notes. He came out with a really great layman explanation of the physics behind driver shaft length on club head speed. And when I was talking to Woody Lashen about it, when we first started the testing, I think Sasha was the one who had given the same information to one of the OEMs that Woody works with. I don't want to name names because it probably was told to me in confidence. But anyway, he's got this great video and it talks about the theoretical gains of adding shaft length. So for example, based on his modeling, he believes that for every one inch of shaft length that you add, a golfer is capable of adding two miles per hour of club head speed. So in my instance, if I'm going from 44 inches to 47 inches, that's three extra inches of length. That's quite a bit. In theory, if everything's perfect, I should be able to add six miles per hour of, of, of club head speed, which would be a lot. That's about 15 yards of distance, just, just from extra ball speed. Exactly. But what he found is, is that in the real world, it doesn't necessarily translate to all golfers. And this could be because the club fitter doesn't get it right, the weight's not right, but he found in the real world that it's usually around 0.8 to 1.6 miles per hour per inch. So it's less than two miles an hour. It's And that's what the, he called that a 95% confidence interval. So most players are gonna gain about a mile to 1.8 miles an hour 
in club head speed. And then with the other fitters I spoke to, they felt the same way. Like there were some increases for some players that were greater and for some players, not so much. And then they were like, all right, this isn't the right move for you. Don't do it. For me, in my testing, you know, I, I did my ball flight testing with my SkyTrack launch monitor. And then I put my PRGR launch monitor, which is really a swing speed radar as well. I put that next to my driver so I could see my speed. I had about a three to five mile per hour jump in club head speed. So my max speed with like a 44 inch shaft, if I'm moving really well, I can get it up to like, I don't know, maybe 105, 107. I got up to all the way to like 111, 112 and beyond on some swings. And I got better with it. I think I got more efficient with the 47 inch shaft over time. And again, I'm using super speed at the same time. So I'm probably adding some speed along the way. But I found I was about a three to five mile per hour jump in club head speed, I would say. So it, it was quite a bit. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I've, I've always struggled with uh, speed testing because I can be wildly variable from day to day. And a lot of it is uh, determined by how warmed up I am as well. Oh, 100%. I, mean, I, can see a, I can see a 7 to 10 mile an hour sometimes increase in speed from towards the end of a session, as long as I don't get too tired. So I, I, I'm always a little bit wary with with certain protocols that increase speed, but I would certainly know that if I hit, say I hit 112 mile an hour, I would know that, oh, this is something different happening here. Yeah, so I I keep track of that stuff because I am doing the super speed protocols three times a week with my PRGR. So I am like seeing what my club head speeds are there. With this experiment, I probably had like, I don't know, 15 or 20 different sessions. So I was keeping track of my speed with each shaft. And for the most part, the 44 inch was in that like, again, and it changes like what what part of the day I was doing it. How warmed up was I? How was I feeling? Was I a little lethargic? Was I super energetic? But I could see the ranges like with the 44 inch, I could be anywhere between 100 to 106. And then I noticed as soon as I switched to the 47, all of a sudden I'm going from 107, 108, 110, 111, 112. So I could see those ranges. And that's that was one thing that Sasho mentioned in his video is that you really can't base it on one session because sometimes like, you know, psychologically you feel like you got the longer shaft and you're going harder at it. So you kind of have to do this over time. But that was the general range. There was a significant noticeable jump for me. What about accuracy then? Are we ready to talk about that? We're not. We're oh. not because I'm not done yet with what <laughs> Sasho said. You're okay. jumping the gun. <laughs> I'm excited. It's it's exciting information. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't love to talk about the driver and hitting it farther? Here is like the kind of wah, wah, wah moment in his in his research. So when you go with the longer shaft, he said that you do have to remove weight. And from a physics perspective, that's a problem because if you lighten the weight of the head, the driver head, which you almost always have to do with a longer shaft, he knows that the driver will transfer less energy. So this is more talking about smash factor and efficiency. You know, if you think of swing speed as your input, ball speed is your output, and then smash factor is is the measure of that ratio, the efficiency there. So he was pretty much saying that if you remove weight from that driver head, the swing speed will not transfer as efficiently to the driver. Does that make sense to you? I hope I'm not confusing people. It's like for every, you're you're not getting as much out of the swing speed as you would with a slightly heavier head is, is pretty much what he's saying. 
We have an exclusive offer on one of my favorite golf shoe brands, True Linkswear. They just released their new Lux G Shoes, which is their first big release of 2024, and it is packed with a ton of features. The Lux G is available in both men's and women's models, and it combines tour level performance with a new fit and feel. You'll get the comfort that True Linkswear is known for with their Wonderlux midsole for a supportive yet comfortable ride. The Lux G is also fully waterproof with a two-year warranty, and they have designed it with their padded heel lock system to ensure stability throughout the entire golf swing. But they didn't stop there. True Linkswear always pays attention to the small details. There's padding on the back to prevent rubbing against your foot, an antimicrobial comfort insole, and the Lux G's come in multiple colors. Sweet Spot listeners can get 15% off the Lux G shoes by visiting truelinkswear.com and using promo code SWEETSPOT. Once again, that's truelinkswear.com and use promo code SWEETSPOT, that's one word, to get 15% off their new Lux G shoes. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com forward slash sweet spot. LinkedIn is not just a job board. It helps you hire professionals you cannot find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to a new perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Also on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Just recently, they even launched a new feature that helps you write your job description, making the process even easier and quicker. And they know that small business owners like myself and Adam are wearing so many hats and might not have the resources to hire, so it's a great place to get help. Now here's what you can do. Post your job for free at linkedin.com forward slash sweet spot. That's linkedin.com forward slash sweet spot to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I'm guessing the F equals MA equation relates there. I know it does for the head. I know a lot, a lot of people think, well, if a golfer is heavier, they're going to hit it farther. But no, that's not the case. But certainly if the head is heavier, you can transfer more energy into the golf ball. So did, did he give an equation for how much, how many points it would drop? I don't think he did, but like my brain just goes super foggy when I start seeing stuff like that. But his whole point was, is like, careful with this because in order to get it right from a club fitting perspective, and the whole point is adding swing speed and getting more ball speed and distance, you're going to lose a little bit of efficiency on the driver head by removing weight. So that that just kind of eats into your gains a little bit of distance and ball speed is the whole point. And then secondly, when we talk about accuracy, and I hadn't even thought of this, the moment of inertia, the MOI will drop when you reduce the weight as well. And MOI is a measurement of how much the golf club resists twisting, especially on off-center strikes. And we talked about this in the last episode with gear effect. So if you have less MOI because you're lowering the weight of the head, it's going to twist more on off-center strikes and tell the people what will happen based on that. 
Uh, if if the club head twists more at impact on an off center strike, you will get more gear effect. So when the when the club is twisting and it's connected to the golf ball, the golf ball will have a counter twist. If the club head is twisting open at impact, the ball will have a counter twist to it. So it'll actually the the ball will hook more, uh, and the more twisting occurs that occurs through impact for a given club head the more gear effect there'll be and the more offline a ball will go but my question is and i'm sure you won't have the answer to this i don't know unless you've been really diving deep into the physics but there's moment of inertia in terms of how easy the club is to twist in terms of our swing so you know you could twist the club face open and close so there's moment of inertia in that way there's also the the club head going around the clock if you can imagine looking at someone face on and at the top of their swing that uh, your your club is pointing at three o'clock and then at impact it's pointing at six o'clock so there's the moment of inertia of twisting there as well he was talking about impact on the face twisting in his words pretty much what he said was is that and this is true for when you hear moi on a driver is that when moi goes down which it will when you remove head weight from the head of the driver your mishits will travel further offline. So essentially he's talking about gear effect. So his three main warnings were that although you might gain two miles an hour theoretically per inch of extra shaft length, you're probably not going to gain that much. Number two, the driver will transfer less energy, so it won't be as efficient in transferring the club head speed to the actual ball. So you won't hit it as far as you could if you had had, let's say, a heavier uh, head, which you just can't do to get that right with the longer shaft. And then third, the MOI is going to drop. The forgiveness of the driver is going to drop, meaning that it puts striking the center of the face at more of a premium. The way Woody built my club is they tried to match the MOI exactly. So I don't think my MOI dropped all that much. He wanted me to use one of the weights when I used the 47-inch shaft, but I actually ended up taking both of them off. So I probably dropped it a little bit more than he wanted me to. So in any event, this is just like a big caveat with this whole experiment is like, yeah, you might get more swing speed. But you got to look at the end results. And we're going to get to this now with my testing results. You've got to run a test on this and see the ultimate goal is what is that ball doing at the end of it? Because we can go through the theory endlessly, but unless we see the results transfer to that golf ball, because there's a human element as well. Of course. You can give someone a club that in theory is perfectly fit for them, but then... You know, maybe they don't like the feel of it or maybe their body reacts weird to it and they just don't they don't produce the results. So so how are we ready to say how did it affect your accuracy? And I will totally admit that I had my bias coming into this that I wasn't going to like the longer driver shaft. But immediately I started seeing like massive bombs like let me share with you like my best swing that I did. It was insane. I launched at 15 degrees. I spun at 2,500, 167 mile per hour ball speed. I flew at 290 for a total. Di- I mean, granted, Skycheck was calculating the total distance, but it said it was 317. I mean, just an absolute like, and that was like a home run swing. And there's a, there's still another 10 yards in that at least. If you increase that launch a little bit and lower that spin to 2,000. I mean, I spin the ball at 1,700 on a good drive. The the reason for the higher spin was is I was using Callaway's newest Epic Max club, and I used to play the Epic Flash. The Epic Max spins a little bit more. 
which was actually okay. It gave me a lot more control. I liked the combination, but in any event, I noticed immediately and, and the gains kept growing over time as I got more used to the shaft. I was hitting it at best like 30 yards farther, just like massive drives. But to counteract that, you know, there were some mishits. I took two sessions and these are kind of like ballpark figures because I was keeping track of this. And here's kind of what I settled on as my averages. So with the 44 inch shaft, my swing speed was about 105. My ball speed was 155 and my carry was just under 260. So depending on the turf conditions, that's about a 275 to 285 yard drive, let's say, something like that. And I mentioned the launch before was 13 and a half, spin rate was 2,500, which was a bit higher. My dispersion on a long session was only 54 yards. And I think that had to do with the new shaft that Acker gave me was awesome. And the, and the Callaway head was very good for me in terms of keeping the ball in play. By the way, for people listening, 55 yards is a pretty good dispersion. I know a lot of people people will say that, oh my God, 55 yards, you'll never hit a fairway. But no, most pros are around about that. If you talk about dispersion for most pros, it's like 60 to 70 yards. I know Scott Fawcett has done a ton of that stuff with his decade research. And in my testing as a scratch golfer, my dispersion is usually 65, 70 yards when I hit a ton of drivers. It just holds up for a lot of reasonably skilled golfers with higher swing speeds. But I noticed with the 44-inch shaft, I had even more control than ever. And I think part of my thought process was that the 47-inch was acting like a training aid for me. So when I went back to the 44 after hitting the 47, it felt like I was swinging a nine iron. I just felt like more confident over it. So I think the combination of the improvement in equipment and I had Callaway's newest head, so I had a bit of a technology upgrade. So my dispersion with the 44-inch shaft was tighter than ever. So here's the 47-inch results. My average swing speed went up to 109. So I, I gained about four miles an hour on average. My ball speed went to 160, which is about a five-mile-per-hour jump. And I was carrying it about 10 to 15 yards farther on most swings. And my total distance on average was in like the high 290s. So I was hitting a lot of 300-yard drives with the 47-inch shaft. But here's the kicker. The dispersion was still 69 yards. I did hit some offline shots, but for the most part, when I looked at like my shot patterns on Skytrack, they were all very playable. I was not hitting a lot of foul balls with the 47-inch shaft. So 69, so you gained... 14 yards on your dispersion or added 14 yards yeah in that in those two sessions like that that could change over time but for the most part and i kind of kept track i was paying attention the whole time to this at least in my testing i'm going to see what happens on the course i didn't think that for me the 47 inch shaft was creating a situation where i was going to be hitting these like super bad foul balls that would just you know give me major problems. I had a lot more control over the golf ball, relatively speaking, than I thought I would. You could use strokes gained. I mean, it would require a deep dive into it, but certainly if you gain 15 yards, you could put that into strokes gained terms. What is it? Point one of a shot for every 20 yards? Yeah, I think it, it depends your reference point with strokes gained. So if you look, you know, you, I'm a, at scratch level. So you put me down there. Like, I think if I used the 47 inch shaft, depending on the course for at least half the holes, like, and this doesn't sound like a lot. I think it could be worth like a half a stroke for me per round, perhaps a full stroke. 
And when you get down to, you know, me playing in tournaments, that could be the difference of me making a cut into a bigger tournament, you know, making it into the U.S. Mid-Am. You know, when you get down to, you know, lower levels of scoring and my scoring average is 73 point whatever, and I can shave a half a stroke off of that, like that's a lot. Plus it's more fun. And it's, oh yeah, I mean, that, that was like my final point is it's just like, this was incredibly fun. It, I just enjoyed it. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to start the year with two drivers. Like on my course, I already picked out eight holes that I would use the 47 inch shaft because it's a bit wider off the tee, my course. Perhaps other courses, I would do my analysis of tee shots and dispersion, which, you know, I'll give credit to Scott from Decade Golf for that. I'm using his analysis system. If it's a tighter hole, I'd probably use the 44 inch because I'm showing a, a, a decent reduction in dispersion there. But for holes where it's like a wide open par five or par four, I'm just going to take this thing out and, and, and go for it because I know I can hit it well over 300 yards with that. And that for me is reaching par fives and two more easily, maybe having a wedge into a par four instead of an eight iron. That just gives me a better chance to keep the ball closer to the hole. So what does that mean? I'm making more pars, maybe some easier two-putt pars. I'm not missing as many greens and you know maybe a few more birdies in there because I've hit a few closer. It all adds up, but it was surprising to me. So I'm going to start the year dropping my three-wood, which I loathe. I hate my three-wood. I've never hit it well. For me, it's kind of a no-brainer. I got nothing to lose. But I do view this as a niche equipment change. I don't think most golfers should do this just because there are a lot of variables involved to get right. Like you should be working with the club fitter. You might not get the gains because of what we talked about with efficiency and the little physics discussion, but I could see this working out really well for a certain group of players. For me, I think it would work out really well because my strike is is pretty decent. I think you'd have no problem because you'd figure out how to control the face and your strike. I, I don't think you'd have any problem with this. I've got accuracy for days, but I don't have distance. That's that's always been the biggest bane of my golfing existence. And I've you know I've got it up there to a point where it's not embarrassing anymore. <laughs> you know I can hit it out there, say two eighty, two ninety or so by efficiency, but. Certainly, if I can add some club head speed, and that's going to require some work on my behalf as well, some equipment changes. But you've excited me. I want to, I want to get out and go and see a club fitter now, and just you know test out some of these longer shafts. Yeah, and and there is a big asterisk here, which I <laughs> forgot to mention. Uh, are you aware of what the USGA said the other week about about longer shafts? Uh, I, I've got an inkling. Yeah, that they're probably going to limit the length of it. So they're talking about, and this is. In, in direct response to what Bryson is doing. Cause there's a lot of pros testing this out. Like Bryson Shambo wants to use a 48 inch shaft and there's been a lot of other pro golfers testing this out. So the USGA came out, said that they're considering limiting driver shafts to 46 inches, but there's a big, but there they're considering doing it as a modified local rule for elite amateur tournaments or professional. So here's the quote. It is currently being contemplated that this modified local rule, like other equipment related local rules would be recommended for use only in competitions limited to highly skilled players. That is professionals and elite amateur competitions. So they could ban this in 2021, it might not happen to 2022, but for the most part, it probably, it would affect me because I, I, you know, I'm signed up for USGA tournaments and in local tournaments, like they would never let me play it. If push comes to shove, 
I might just go with the 46 inch shaft and split the difference if they tell me I can't use it anymore, but I'm going to start the season with this. But I mean, for recreational golfers, it doesn't sound like, you know, you never know what they're going to do, but it doesn't sound like they're going to make this illegal for the rest of the game, but we'll see. And I don't think they should because this could benefit a certain subset of players, but it's not like they're going to be going out there and hitting it three 380 like Bryson would with the longer shaft. For me, it's it's kind of upsetting in a way because using a longer club shaft like that, that's one of the few ways that I could actually even out the playing field a little yeah. bit. You know, when you limit everybody to a certain shaft length, you know, all the strongest players are going to win. I was just thinking, you know, this longer shaft is a way for me. I can compete with other players because I can, I could use skill perhaps, or, you know, maybe intelligence to be able to, to get closer to them rather than just brute strength. Cause it's the same with optimizing launch, right? I, I didn't have the physical capabilities that the other players have. I don't have the ability to swing at 115 mile an hour, 120 mile an hour. I just, it's not, even if I did all the training in the world, it's just not going to happen for me. I know a lot of people will argue against that. It would require like a massive change in your lifestyle. Yeah. Let's just say (laughs) I would have to do training every single day. And I mean, I, I I did the weight training and stuff like that, but in terms of launching the ball differently, that's more of just a a technical change, a technique change, an intelligence thing. Really, you're looking at launch monitor, you're figuring out mentally, well, how can I get this ball to launch higher and spin lower? So you're using your brain more. And for me, that was another aspect. That was a way that I could level the playing field a little bit rather than the brute strength. But now if the USGA take that option away from me, now the brute strength guys are just going to win again, which, you know, maybe it's sport. It's sport, right? Yeah, there's a lot of counter arguments there. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm personally using it just because I've understood the value of distance more effectively over the last few years. I think prior to really wrapping my head around Mark Brody's work and the strokes gain stuff, I've said this before in other episodes. I was I was too focused on lateral dispersion, and, and you even said this yourself. You were playing too conservatively. Whereas now, I feel I'm at a point where I have the most efficiency I'm ever going to have in terms of the driver. And I think that was a lot of that had to do with using the shorter shaft. It really helped improve my mechanics. So I'm taking that work that I did, and and, and I'm seeing that it's transferring over to this longer shaft. I think. And this is really an exercise of if I'm going to make a change on the golf course, this is what I do to figure it out. And I'm not suggesting that everyone listening to this would go through the same lengths that I did. Granted, I, I did it for a golf website. I wanted to publish this data so the world could see it. Not the world, but some people. I thought it was an interesting exercise in club fitting and, and understanding how technology can change your ball flight and all that stuff. But that's what I go through. I do my due diligence in a consequence-free environment. And then I'm going to take it out on the course and see what happens. If I find that my dispersion is way wider than it's initially seemed with the 47-inch shaft, then I'll stop using it. But I'm going to give it a chance. So you can do all these tests with other clubs as well. I know that that was one of the reasons why I changed my irons recently. You know, there's a big part of me says, well, why do I want to get a modern iron? And instead of hitting a, a six iron, I'm hitting a seven iron with a different loft on it. It's just basically a different number stamped on the bottom. But when I was testing it, you know, I would pick maybe a 180 yard shot and I would hit 20 shots with a six iron. 
and then I'd hit 20 shots with a new 7-iron and I found that the new 7-iron had a tighter dispersion as well. So it was, uh, you could quantify that in terms of strokes gained. I didn't go through the math behind it, but it was certainly a tighter dispersion. It had a lower standard deviation. So I thought, yeah, let's just change these clubs. Not only is it more fun to say I'm hitting a lower club into the same target, but it actually helps my performance as well. I think I can't prove this, but based on everything I've learned about club fitting and club technology, I think equipment is about 10 to 15% of your golf game. Like that's my gut instinct of how much influence it has on your overall like scoring, because I've just seen like, if you don't match up your tendencies with the right equipment, like for example, I'm a low spin player. I tried playing a, you know, when Callaway first came out, with the Epic and they had the Epic Sub-Zero, I took that out on the course without testing it properly. It was ducks falling out of the sky. I was hitting these low hooks and then I, I was playing with my buddy who's an instructor and we were looking at each other and we we're like, what the heck is going on here? And then I went on his launch monitor. I was spinning it like 1200, just totally unplayable. I, I can't play certain drivers just because if I play those low spin drivers or that are ones that are like try and go super low spin, like I just... I can't keep the ball in the air and vice versa. Let's say you were a 20 handicap and people assume that club fitting is more for better players. It's not, it's really the less skilled ball strikers who have more to gain from it because a better player can make adjustments on the fly. But if you have a beginner intermediate golfer who has the wrong equipment, it's, it's just going to make them struggle so much more with their game. Like if their lie angles are wrong with their irons, if they have the wrong center of gravity on their irons or their driver, even putter fittings, I've seen massive differences. Again, not 80% of golf, but I, I think of it as a refinement or it could be as much as 10 to 15% of your scoring. That's just my gut instinct. I love custom fitting for certain things, especially things like lie angle, shaft, things like that. But I have seen people try to get fit to change their strike location, for example. And that stuff to me is, it can help, certainly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use equipment that's going to make you worse. But, you know, someone who's hitting it toe one day and gets fit for that, well, they could be hitting it heel the next. Yeah. You know, when you're at 20 handicap, it's all exactly. over the shop. So there's no real. And that's why a lot of players say, well, I had these clubs fit for me last week and I was, I was nailing them. And this week I'm shanking everything. It's like, yeah, but that's because you can't really fit for a random strike location. So, yeah, that's why. I completely agree with you. Good, well-fit clubs are really important, especially things like lie angle. You know, as a junior, I used clubs that were too long for me, too upright, so I'd hit everything left. So then I worked out how to early extend, raise the shaft up and open the face to get a functional shot. But obviously those are, are things that are not great for you long-term. So yeah, there's, there's a balance there. Get a really good club fitting. It, it is important. I'm excited to see particularly in tournaments, if I have this kind of like, I don't want to call it ace up my sleeve, but if I'm going into a par five that I don't have to worry about spraying it, if it's a wide open hole and the worst thing that's going to happen, I'm going to hit it into the rough. I'm really interested to see what happens here. So, you know, I'll, as we record more episodes, I'll, I'll let people know how this experiment is going. But yeah, that that's essentially what happened. I, I thought it would be a cool thing to talk about because everyone wants to know how to hit the ball farther and people love equipment and drivers. So I just thought I would give you an inside look into how I did my testing and coordinated with some knowledgeable club fitters. I'm always trying to convince people if it's possible, if it's within your budget and you're geographically located and you're a good club fitter, I would tell you 
get it done once right when you feel like you have the swing that you're going to stick with and you're not changing it after getting a ton of lessons. If you get it done right the first time, you don't need new equipment for five, 10 years because the technology changes aren't going to be that much year to year. Like I'm still playing the same irons I got fit for six years ago. Drivers I've come across more just because I'm doing all these experiments. I'm trying new ones. Like I, I realize that's not a normal circumstance for people, but if you get fit the right, the first time for your swing tendencies, it's better doing that. Your, your scores will be better, but then you don't have to worry about buying something new every year because I know the companies want to convince you to do that, but you don't need to if you get it done right. So get fit. That's my kind of final statement there. Once you get launch conditions correct, like my old driver that I was using was a Callaway from 2012, I think, but I was maxed out with it. Like I said, I had the 17 launch, the 1700 spin and the 1.5 smash. So the, I, that's why I didn't really change my driver for so long was because I knew that manufacturers are limited. They can't increase the smash from what it was. They can't no, reduce they're, they're the spin done. or yeah. optimize that. So, but, but this is a new interesting thing because it's like, oh, well, we're actually changing club speed here by changing shaft. So I'm interested in trying it myself, but maybe next time we can go more in depth into the ball flight characteristics and how to reach your efficiency or maximize your efficiency with your given swing speed. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to spend a whole episode on driver efficiency because I spent, you know, three or four years getting that right. And that really was one of the main things that got me from, let's say, like a two, three, four handicap down to scratch and beyond was being able to hit my driver a little bit farther and keep it into play with the right impact conditions. So we're definitely going to do a full episode on that. I mean, we got a ton of ideas. And by the way, I just want to like thank everyone. I was sharing some statistics with Adam this week. Like our, our podcast here is kind of. It's blowing up a little bit, Adam. People are taking note. I'm scared. We won't be able to walk down the street. I know. We're just like, I mean, I, I, I'm I, not trying to brag here. I'm trying to thank everyone for all the support we've gotten. But we were as high. I looked on iTunes. We were like number two in the golf category one day. We were top 30 in the entire sports category. More and more people are tuning in from around the world. And they are smashing they're taking like sledgehammers and drivers and wedges and smashing subscribe buttons and we appreciate it. And they're reaching out to us. Like I keep getting messages, you know, Adam and I are just normal human beings. We love, we love to get positive feedback like anyone else. And, you know, we were kind of apprehensive about starting this project, but it's been awesome to get all of the feedback and people listening and, and learning. So we're just going to keep building this library for everyone. If it's your first time listening, we're, we're trying to build an evergreen library of golf content that you can go through non-sequentially and just learn more about the game, whether it's stuff about the swing, practice, strategy, mental game. We got tons of stuff that we're going to do. So just a huge thank you to everyone for tuning in. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Let's wrap it up then. We're coming up to an hour. so Yeah, that's our number. All right, John, where can people find you? People can find me at practical-golf.com. Appreciate if you sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can check out our deals, join our forum probably going to be doing some more giveaways on there. So come on over and where can they find you? AdamYoungGolf.com. Buy my products. It'll make you better. They will make you better. All of them. They will. No, I mean, they, they really will. <laughs> or you can products. just get the free stuff. That'll make you better as well. They'll make you a lot better. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next week.